Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I got to tell you something, people. Something very funny happened. You know how Joanne is sort of OCD and a clean freak? Well, I get a, I get a text the other day, and she says how our garbage disposal is backed up. And now, let me tell you, I've lived in my place for nine years, and before she moved out here, my garbage disposal never clogged up. In the two years she's been here, four times. So she had just cleaned the sink. She was all bummed. And I look, and she said... She put pasta down the garbage disposal. So I did a, I did a, a, a search of the things you should not put in a garbage disposal. And I found out that four of them are things that we do. Well, she does. Banana peels, um, coffee, lemons or limes, and pasta. And so if you people are homeowners or renters, don't put that stuff down because it screws up your garbage disposal. And it's a pain in the ass when they come on a Saturday morning to take care of it. So anyway, we have a great show today. I'm, I'm very excited to have my uh, guest. He's a he's an excellent actor. He's been around for a long time, and I found out he was a very good pianist as a kid. And uh, my guest is Scott Cohen. How you doing, Scott? Good. How are you? Good, man. So um, we, we we had a little problems on Skype, but we got you on here now. <laughs> it's uh, te- technology. It's uh, more difficult than, than you imagine. Well, it's weird because as we get older, you think you know. I mean. You'd think it would become easier, but all of a sudden, like if I get a problem on my computer, I freak out because I, I have no idea what to do. I mean, it just it blows my mind. Yeah, I have a son who's uh, who's really good at it. So he's 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 the uh, sometimes the first resource, most of the time the last resource. Right. And then then he just gives me like a sentence, and it's all fixed. And it's like, oh, okay, thanks. Now, now you're you're a New York guy. You were born in the Bronx, I believe. Yep. And so. Um, how did this whole acting thing start? I believe your dad was a jazz musician and your mom was a teacher, or yeah. Um, how did the acting thing start? Well, how, how did your whole arts, the career in the arts? Because I know I read you were a very good uh, piano player. Yes. Yeah. Um, my father was a musician. Um, we music was in our family uh, my whole life uh, as a child. I mean, my, my oldest brother. There's five of us, and my oldest brother's a musician a fairly well-known classical musician, um, and he actually was the first person to teach me piano. And, um, and then everybody, everybody in the house played music, um, and there was music constantly around. And, you know, my father was kind of a, uh, uh, you know, he, 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 he gigged, so, you know, he was always away. And then uh, he, he also taught um, high school music, and so he... Um, on the weekends, he would often take me to uh, wherever he was playing, and so I would kind of hang out with him as kind of his roadie. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, we just grew up in a very artistic um, household. It was, there was no real kind of like, you know, we were just immersed in, in, um, in music and art and all kinds of things like that. And, and it, it wasn't like on a it was more kind of a, a blue collar kind of feel to it, not not necessarily kind of like uh, an elite form of what you know art was, but just um, um, we were just more kind of engaged in in the practice of it, um, not necessarily in the appreciation of it. But I mean, the appreciation of the thing came much later, um, but definitely in the in the practice. So I mean, I think that's how it started. And in terms of acting, um, I mean, I never. I mean, for me. It would. It was never a conscious choice. It. It was always. It, I really. Uh, it's not like I fell into it, but I feel like that I. Uh, I never made a choice to do this. It just kind of 
found me and I uh, found myself really enjoying it. Well, what were your choices like in high school? Like what did you, when you went to college, what did, what did you want to study? I mean, and I always talk to guests about this. Yeah. And it's so funny. Well, how- I, yeah. So when I was in high school, I did plays. I did, I was like in the drama club. Um, and I did plays, but I never, ever, ever thought of doing it as a career. And in ninth grade, I did, um, there was a guy who was, uh, who came into the high school who had gone, who was an alumnus from the high school who came in, he was an actor in New York and, you know, he, you know, he was doing his thing and he came in and he directed a Bertolt Brecht play, A Man's A Man. And, uh, and I, I don't know what happened to me, but like I was 14 at the time and I, he, he, I guess he cast me in a part, but I don't know if it was, it didn't really matter what part I was playing, but whatever part I played, I, I made suggestions for how I thought the character could kind of be more involved in the play. And everything that I said, he was like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, that sounds great. So it was like my first experience in kind of being a, being in the creative process. And, um, and I had, and it was just so, such enormous fun. Um, and really one of the best experiences I've ever had on stage. And, um, and that really, uh, that gave me a bug for like, I think the creativity of it, the kind of the, like in terms of drama, not necessarily acting, quote unquote acting, but in terms of like what drama can do and what I can do with it and what I, how I can be involved in, you know, writing and directing and acting and all this other kind of stuff. And so I kept on doing that in high school, but in high school I really, I was a bit of a, uh, I really wanted to play. Um, my dream was to be a college football player. Okay. So that's all I really thought about. Um, but that ended by the time I was a senior in high school. What position then, were you? Uh, yeah, what? What position? Quarterback. Oh, well, yeah. Well, you're a good-looking guy, tall. That makes sense. It all comes together. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I could tell you more, but I won't. Uh, and so, uh, uh, so that, and then um, but by the time I got into college... I wasn't really, it wasn't something that I was thinking of doing, but I found, I, I actually got into, um, uh, I got into clowning and I started doing clown work in circuses and in so, for solo clowning and I was really interested in that and I was about to go to Paris to study uh, with Jacques Lecoq and then I was, um, and then I kind of got into this improvisational theater company in where I went to college and they were doing um, dramatic improvisation, not not like like the ground groundlings or uh, upright uh, upright citizens brigade or anything like that, but um, you know, real kind of like almost therapeutic uh, uh, dramatization of people's stories. And I was really, I became really, really involved and really interested in that. And um, and from there, I just kind of went into the theater department, thinking this is how I think, this is what I do, this is what, you know, this is kind of the life I want to be leading. Um, and, and it really became about, you know, um, creating. It wasn't about, like, I didn't want to be, you know, this type of actor. I didn't, I was, I didn't look up to, like, movie actors. I didn't look up, you know, I'm, I'm, I really kind of, like, uh, was in love with the idea of creating. And so, um, and that's basically how it started. So you start, so you're into the idea of creating. Now you graduate college? I did. Okay, and so then what do you sit there and think you want to do? You want to be in the creative process. Are you a little bit deciding? I mean, where do you go when you know what you want to do? Yeah. But it's it's not it's it's a hard mountain and and I think a lot of times what happens is 
I know school prepares us, you know, if you're in, go to acting school or, I mean, theater in, in college. I think a lot of times we still don't know how to make it happen. So what are your first steps when you get out of college to sit there and, and figure out really, okay, I want to concentrate on this? Well, the thing that I think really that, that I kind of nurtured in college um, was that <clears throat> there, there, nobody, nobody would stop me from doing what I want, wanted to do. So um, it was, I mean, that has since stopped, but, but I'll, I'll continue. Um, but, you know, I, I was always, uh, you know, my, my interests were about, uh, and it's really a loose term in terms of creating, but my interests were always about creating. So it was never about, you know, like somebody could never tell me exactly what I wanted to do. So when I, when I left, I mean, I really, uh, dis- I, tried to fe- I, I tried to continue that feeling. And so that meant, you know, um, doing my own plays, you know, uh, working with people, you know, in, in, in different theater companies, uh, creating my own theater company. I mean, that, that actually happened later on with my wife. But, um, you know, that, that really, kind of, that was the idea. So the idea was just to keep on creating and not ever thinking about like, oh, uh, I need an agent or I need, uh, I need people to see me or that never occurred to me. It, it was just about doing what I love to, to do. And uh, and so and that that became about studying too because studying was such a huge part of what I did as a younger actor. I mean, it, and that was really some of the most fun I I ever had. Um, but finding teachers that I were, was interested in and studying with them and being more specific and things just kind of got specific as time went on. Um, but it uh, but it didn't start like that. It just became it, it became like that. So. Um, uh, so it, to, to me, it was always about um, doing. It wasn't about um, how to do it. It was just doing it. It was there was never a question of how to do it. It was just about doing it. Because you were very you were very concentrated on the craft. And I always wonder, like you know, nowadays, like back back then, you know, getting a te- an acting teacher, it's not like today. You can type in you know a Yelp review and see eighty seven uh, <laughs> different good or bad things. Did you have to audit a lot of classes, or did you get to go by a lot of word of mouth, or how would you find a good acting teacher as a young actor? I, I was really lucky. I had um, uh, John Turturro went to the college that I went to, and I kind of followed him. So he got you, he got you going. He got me going. I mean, I I really uh, I, he got me going, and you know when you when you kind of leave, you know if if you're if other people are going to New York with you. You just word of mouth. You hear people. You know. I mean, I tried lots of different people, and you know, I didn't like a lot of acting teachers that I kind of met. Um, I I didn't know exactly what I wanted, uh, but I found what I needed for sure. Um, and you know, and and that really just kind of came. That, that just kind of happened. It didn't. It, it, there was no uh, thought process involved. I mean, it was about you know. I I you know it it, it was basically oh I need to study. And I need to I need to get better. And how do I do that? And let me take an acting class. And um, I didn't go the route of like you know HB Studios, and I didn't go the route of um, you know kind of these people that were uh, known, I guess, as as very uh, kind of famous acting teachers. Um, I went a different route, and it was a much I mean for me in the long run a much better place to be because you know these people taught me. Um, what I what I really needed to learn to be uh, I mean if I'm good at all that'd be good. 
So, so you're working on your chops. You're getting this, this, this craft down. You know, you're creating, and you have the right attitude. I mean, that's why I think a lot of people always will go into it looking in the other ways as a business aspect. When do you finally get into the business side? When do you sit there and start looking for work? Yeah. That, I mean, so when I was, um, I would say, uh, trying to remember, um, I think like when I met my wife, uh, not remember, I, I feel like that because we did, we, we started doing things together and, you know, so we really kind of, we met each other actually in an acting class and, and we, we kind of started doing things together. But, uh, I think that, you know, there was a, um, she really pushed me to kind of, uh, be more business savvy about things and um, she pushed me to uh, I was at a wedding actually in uh, and, and there were these people there that she said you should talk to these people because they could uh, they could help you get into the Williamstown Theater Festival and I was like oh okay I don't even really know what the Williamstown Theater Festival was right. and, and she uh, and she was like it, it'll be a good place for that and at the time actually I was being offered to do a um, to work at Shakespeare and Company, which is on the East Coast, uh, and I had no real interest in working with Shakespeare Company, but it was like a summer of like, okay, I'll do that, and um, and I met this woman who was uh, an associate artistic director of um, this woman Bonnie Monty, um, who runs I think New Jersey Shakespeare Festival at the moment, and she, uh, you know, we hit it off, and she said, you know, why don't you come in and audition. And so I auditioned for the festival and got into the festival um, and then ended up doing a, it was just by chance, ended up doing a play at the festival and uh, an Arthur Miller play directed by Austin Pendleton. And it just happened to be a good thing at the right, right time, right place. And uh, this agent saw me and um, wanted to represent me. And she, this this person that was my agent then has become my manager and, and is still my manager almost thirty years later. Wow, that's 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 just that's good. You 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 love when you hear stories like that because it means he's they're doing something right. Doing something right. So I mean, I think so. So the business. I mean, I've always been. I I I'm much more business minded now than I was then. I mean, then it was not like, it wasn't a question of business. It was just a question of doing stuff. And, you know, I mean, and you don't, I mean, then you don't, you're not, you're not thinking about money. Then you're thinking about just, you know, being on stage or being in a movie or, you know, and, and at that time it was, uh, you know, you, 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 you looked at backstage and you, you saw advertisements for shorts and for, you know, student films and you would do those and, you know, you would, you know, we had a theater company, so we just constantly did plays all the time and, you know, uh, you know, uh, we both would direct or we both would write or not both of us would write, but my wife would write. And, you know, and, and so it just constantly built upon itself. And so and then we started meeting people and then other people started hiring you and then you started doing other things. And all of a sudden you found yourself on a TV show and all of a sudden you found yourself in a movie and and things just kind of started growing. Now, what was your first movie break? The first movie you got, I mean, because, you know, you look at the IMDb, but you can never tell. Like, it says, you know, here your first one of your list is Jacob's Ladder. What, what, what? No, when you look at IMDb, the the, the first credit is Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. Um, I would say, 
there were a few before that 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 would never like IMDb would never even recognize as a movie. Um, uh, but there were a bunch before that, and I would say that because um, I was making them pretty early on, uh, but. Uh, Jacob Slider was definitely one of the first, like, um, with big, huge studio movies, and that was um, it was a fantastic experience. Yeah, uh, where, where did that shoot? You got to tell me about that because it's it's like you're, you're you're a staged guy, and you're doing it is a big production. Where did that shoot, and what made it a great experience? It was in New York. <clears throat> we shot in New York, and um, what made it a great experience was Adrian Lyne who directed it, and he was uh, one of the nicest people I've ever met. And he basically um, was, he taught me how to, how, to, how to act on camera. And, um, you know, I don't, I mean, I think I've been trying to listen to him ever since. And, and he really taught me uh, about subtlety and about nuance and about what the camera actually picks up and, uh, and, what, and, and how he wanted me to approach something. And he... Uh, and it was just fantastic. It was really great, and and it was a wonderful experience that way. Um, so I mean that that's why it was great, and and it was great because uh, it was I think it was one of the first times that I spent most of my time in a trailer and making an enormous amount of money and saying to myself, "Wow, this is actually kind of cool," <laughs> and not uh, and and, and you know just kind of like, "Wow, I don't, I don't get it." They they keep on telling me to you know to get ready, and then all of a sudden I'm just waiting, and uh, you know. As the time goes on, I'm, I'm making more money. See, I think you can't beat that. I mean, and it must be, as I say, when I talk to a lot of actors, that that they're when they start working on the projects after doing a lot of time on theater, like theater beats the crap out of you. You know, when you do five shows a week or whatever, in and then when a movie, you know, as you said, it's a lot of sit around and wait. It must just, it must be a different feeling, but it also, you feel like you're sitting there going, Man, I just want to get out there and act. Yeah, I mean, now I feel that way. I mean, I, I didn't feel that way then. I mean, I, I think uh, now I'm like really, you know, I hate waiting. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's. I, I mean, you're, 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 you're uh, just to go back to. I mean, you know, this, this, the stage is the same way because you're waiting all day to go on stage. So there's no real difference that way. Um, I mean, in, in film. Uh, not as much television because television you don't wait around as long. But in film, you're you know you you really have to understand what it is to uh, relax and wait and 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 keep fresh and know that it's going to be okay when you get out there and you have time to kind of build on stuff. And you know, I mean, it's very very um, such a different process than than I used to think that it was the same, but it's not. Now, as, as, a, as a younger actor, what, what kind of roles were you getting called for? I mean, what was what did you see a pattern? Were you getting cop roles or, you know, boyfriend roles or, or you know, lawyer roles or, or detective roles? What was in the earlier part of your career? What was some of the stuff you were getting? Bad guys. But now, how did you did you like playing bad guys? Um, yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Um, it actually wasn't until like uh, the Gilmore Girls. Um, where people started seeing me not as a bad guy, and um, but it was mainly bad guys. It was just like a lot of like you know. Um, uh, I mean, I loved it. I mean, it depends how it's written. You know what I mean? It's like uh, you know, if David Milch writes a, writes a bad guy. It's uh, it's he's complicated and 
and um, it, it, there's so much more to him than just being a being a villain. Um, you know, it, it, most of the time, villains. I think that you know, if I bring anything to a role, it's it's a it's everything is complicated. Nothing is simple. So it's it's you know, I'm going to bring a lot more. I mean, that's actually one of my that's a difficulty because I feel like things aren't aren't always written so complicated, but I see them as complicated. Um, and to me, it's not interesting if it's not complicated. It's like I'd rather not do it, um, but I will do it because we all need money. But right. it's um, it's uh, it, it's that 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 becomes the difficulty. Um, but I think that um, I, I don't care what it is. I mean, I, I don't care if it's a bad guy, if it's a good guy, if it's a romantic lead, if it's you know if he has you know uh, I, I, I really could care less. I, I don't I, I don't care who it is, what what they've done. I have no judgment on any character ever. Um, I could go from playing, uh, you know, the most evil human being that's ever existed on Earth, uh, and 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 find the humanness in him or her, uh, and and that is my task. That is that is the job that I am set out to do um, because I feel like that everybody does have a humanity in them. Um, and everybody suffers from the human condition, and uh, it might, it's my job as an actor to provide that for every character that I would play. Now, when you were acting uh, after Jacob's Ladder and stuff like that, were you staying in New York, or were you, were you getting out to L.A.? Or because you know, always, always getting out, to, always taking trips to L.A. I've never lived in L.A. ever. Um, I've spent maybe nine months to a year out there working, um, but I've never lived there. Always based in New York. So that's okay. So you were in New York. You were getting. I know you did some NYPD Blues. Now, how did that come about? You mentioned David Milch earlier. I did actually NYPD Blue uh, <clears throat> early on, um, like in the early '90s, and um, and played this great part. Uh, and um, then I'm not even sure how David Milch knew who I was, actually, to be honest, or Stephen Bochco. But uh, they much later on in like in the early uh, in the early knots in the early two thousands um, they uh, cast me uh, in this part that was brilliant um, and uh, uh, so I'm not really sure how it happened I mean but you know and why, I mean working for David Milch was one of the highlights of my career um, I don't I don't think there's ever been wherever will be, maybe Patty Chayefsky, a better TV writer. Um, and uh, I, you could, David Simons, maybe, um, not even David Chase. I think that David Milch is a genius, and, um, and, I, and I think that he will always be, you know, I mean, I, just, I think that uh, he, 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 it's not about just telling a story. It's about, you know, in, in, engaging in people, writing character, that is so complicated um, and so uh, intricate, and um, his use of language is absolutely brilliant. I mean, he's 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 a Shakespeare, but has had uh, not as much luck as Shakespeare has. <laughs> what is it? What is it like as an actor when you actually? Because I've I've heard people say who also worked on Deadwood about just working with Milch is amazing. What is it like as an actor when you look at a script like that? And it's so well written. I mean, it must just be a great feeling. And you must sit there also feel a little pressure that says, "I real, I got to deliver this stuff because this stuff is the shit we work for." Yeah, 
I mean, I think that you know you do feel pressure to do that, but David makes you feel com so comfortable that you know you know it it, it it just becomes part of the world, and uh, you know he he doesn't care if you make mistakes. You just you just repeat yourself and do it over and over and over again. I mean, I remember there was one time when I was working on the show um, on MVPD Blue. I had a um, I was I was finished with it. this one. They were shooting it on film, and I I I shot this scene. And uh, I was done for the night, and I was actually in a in a cab in a car, uh, a cab heading to the airport, about to go back from L.A. to New York. And this was about midnight, right? I was taking a red eye back to New York, and I got a call, not on a cell phone, on a car phone. I got a call uh, saying, "Tell the driver to turn around." Stop the car, turn around, come back to the set. And I was like, "What are you talking about? I'm on my I'm on my way home." David wrote more pages. He wants you to come back in and do this other scene. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this!" So I turned around, came back on set, got dressed, went through hair and makeup, went through everything. This is about one o'clock in the morning. I was handed a three-page monologue, and I was like, "Holy fuck! How am I supposed to do this?" And Kim Delaney was with me, and she was like. Don't worry about it. The camera will just roll. You get what you get. Don't get what you don't get, and just keep on doing it and keep on doing it. And we spent about three hours there, and I just kept on doing it and doing it, doing it, and eventually we got it. And you know, and that was it. I mean, but and it was one of the most exhilarating moments I've ever had because I, it was so demanding, and I just had to figure out a way. There was no other choice. I had to memorize what I was doing. And you know, and if I made a mistake, go back and do it again, and do it again, and do it again. And nobody judged it. Nobody complained about it. Nobody said anything other than "excellent job." Let's move on. When it was over, it was. I mean, absolutely brilliant. See, that must be yeah, that must be a great feeling. I mean, that's like you know when you always hear like I'm a baseball fan. So you know when people get up to play with the bigs, you know, I mean, you're 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 have a good career, but then you do something like that, and it's like the bottom of the ninth, or the base is loaded, and you knock it out of the park. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, um, that's that's how you feel, kind of like. So you're doing that, and you're getting the detective roles and stuff like that. And so then, then the Gilmore Girls come up. Now, now, a friend of mine, uh, his his wife played Gypsy, and um, the Gilmore Girls are are just they're fans. I mean, they're like very rabid fans. It's like, yeah. what was when you read for that? Did you think you were going to be part of this big show that had such a cult following? Because it was sort of a different. A different kind of show. You didn't think it would. It was on a network. I don't know. It's just weird. What was the feeling when you went into that set? Did you think it was going to have this? End up having this huge following. Um, well, first, I, uh, I I didn't audition for it. it was, uh, they offered it to me, and I kept on turning turning them down. Why? Uh, I had just done something. I forget what I had just done, and I wasn't interested. I totally was like, no, 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 no. And they kept on coming back, and they kept on saying yes, 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 and they kept on upping the money and upping the money. Up, and I was like, okay, I'll do it. And um, it, you know, I had no idea what it would become. Uh, I enjoyed it for you know. I think I did one or two episodes at first, <clears throat> and then uh, really like just fell in love with Amy Sherman Palladino. And thought she was really amazing and fantastic. And she started writing for me. So it was, you know, that was, I think, 
more of it like you know so it wasn't like you know there was a portion of it you know when you're doing a show like that and then somebody really takes a liking to you and they really develop a character based on what you're doing I mean there's no greater feeling than that um, and and you know because you feel so respected as as the as an actor and you feel respected as a human being and um, and you feel respected as an artist because whatever you're bringing to the table they love it and so they're continuing to write for it um, and I didn't really think about I mean I, I never imagined that it was gonna be I mean at the time I remember the first season they didn't even know that if they were gonna get picked up for a back nine or you know it's like you know I think I remember I was thinking I was on set when they got picked up for the back nine uh, you know for the 22 episodes and that was like a huge deal I think it was Lauren Graham's first like show that like she was like oh my god I can't believe it I'm doing 22 episodes um, and uh, you know so I mean it, 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 it's not till way afterwards that you know it became and actually the the real like uh, it was always kind of huge but then when they started airing on Netflix again uh, recently, that's when it, it even became, it, it, it got a whole new audience. You know, I'm, I'm sure when they release these, uh, the ones that they just did, it's going to get really big again. Now, did people start recognizing you because of that role? And I didn't watch a social. I don't know if you were a good guy or a bad guy. I know you're the love interest. I don't know if you're broke or hard. I'll be honest. But when, yeah, nobody's a, bad, nobody's a bad guy in that show. Okay, so but was were people recognizing you a lot more now, and probably a different type of crowd, where someone who is recognizing you from like NYPD Blue and says, "Oh yeah, yeah. you know," it must have been, and it must be weird for an actor when all of a sudden you go from having you know like probably like the New Yorker guys going, "Hey, we love you in that show," to like young girls going, "Oh my god, we really like you on that show." Right. Um, it's not weird. It's it is what it is. It, it, but it's not. Uh, it, 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 I think the people that watch NYPD Blue watch NYPD Blue. The people that watch Gilmore Girls watch Gilmore Girls. I, I don't think the I don't think it crossed that much. Right. I'm saying um, so. You have two different crowd groups. Yeah. So you would be recognized. I mean, you get recognized for different things. Different. Things. I mean, it, Gilmore Girls is just it's remained. You know, so much like that's. I mean, this is we're talking like almost 15 years ago that I started on that show. And people still recognize like that's that's how much that's continued. I mean, NYPD Blue. It's not like people are you know. I think there are websites about the character on NYPD Blue, but it's not like uh, like Gilmore Girls. Just it's consistent and it's constant. Well, it's good because NYPD Blue is on a cable station out here. I think it's called Heroes and Icons, which it's good because people can start watching it now because you sit there. There's certain shows you didn't see a lot. You didn't see a lot of NYPD Blue and the show Heroes and Icons. <laughs> Was also playing the White Shadow, which you know you never see that on. So it was, uh, they have some good shows where people start watching that more. That's cool. So now, now the Gilmore Girls gets done. And now, now where do you go as an actor now? Because you've you played the romantic lead, but as an actor, what kind of roles do you want to play at your point at that point of your career? Um, well, I got I kind of, after all that, I kind of got caught up. Oh, actually, no, I, I I mean, I've always wanted to play darker characters, and I had the opportunity to play. Um, uh, this show uh, on on Showtime called Street Time, right? Uh, and that really was uh, that also was a highlight. I mean, because that I was introduced to people that I was so happy to get to work with Richard Stratton, uh, who created the show, Mark Levin, who executive produced and show and ran the show, um, and uh, worked with Rob Morrow and Terrence Howard and Erica Alexander and my wife, who actually wrote. Uh, some episodes, and so it was really kind of an, an experience that um, was so special that lasted over three years, 
and um, and a great character that again I was being written for, and all my ideas and what I thought should be part of the show became part of the show. Um, and I would say that 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 that's that happened, and uh, it, I would I mean you know nothing necessarily changes your life, but um, it, it it had a great uh, influence on on how I saw everything else that came after that. Um, how is that? Well, explain that. The way we <clears throat> the way we did that show was it was so experimental and so kind of free. Uh, it, we, we improvised an enormous amount and we shot as we improvised and we improvised because we felt like as shows were being written we felt like certain things needed to be uh, added or subtracted or, added or, or explored in the show itself so we would kind of set up scenarios where we would have to uh, just kind of improvise through the scene and figure out if we can get to a new place in the, sh- in the, in the story arc uh, to be able to satisfy something that was missing in the story. And so that, that became a huge part of how we did the show. <clears throat> um, not necessarily to the liking of the, of the studio or the network, but we, um, uh, but we did it. And we, uh, we were yelled at a lot, but we did it anyway. And, and with that, we um, kind of developed a sense of trust between uh, the creators and the writers and, and the actors where everyone was able to kind of do that all at the same time and, and, uh, and be involved in the writer's room and be involved in how the, the characters were progressing and where you wanted to see them in the end. And, and, and that really, it was just so exhilarating and so freeing. And so, um, you know, when I go back to when I was talking about creating, uh, this was a show that was allowed me to do that. And which is so, um, it's anathema to how the, the, the system works in TV. Um, in TV, you know, the writer's in charge, and, you know, it's very, very common that the actor never talks to the writers, and, you know, it's like you get your pages, and you and you can maybe have a conversation with the writer, you know, before you might shoot something, um, but that's very hard to do, because usually they're really busy, and you pretty much, you know, you might have, you know, you have very few arguments, very few debates, and, and, and um, I mean, one, because it's so fast-paced that you don't always have that ability to do that, um, but two, because, you know, that's just the way that that particular system has been created where um, there's a real separation between talent and writing. And, um, and it's, uh, I, I don't agree with it, and I don't think it's necessary, but that's the way it is. Um, and it's uh, because I also don't think that, you know, I, I think that what happens in the writer, like writers have an idea of how, of how a show is uh, supposed to kind of pan out um, but <clears throat> only the uh, and act, but but actors have you know they're able to bring something to the writer that n- might not necessarily be thought of uh, to the writer. So it's like to me, it, it should be a conversation, but you know that's not necessarily how it goes. Anyway, um, so that's basically what, what what that show did for me, and, and so it spoiled me because everything that came after that, you know, is is not like that. So it it, it really became like wow, I don't I don't understand why. You know, how come I can't talk to the writer? How come I have to call somebody to change this word? How come I have to, like, you know, make sure it's okay if I change this word? You know, I mean, it just it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, you know, how come I can't, like, add something to this? And, you know, it's, it's you were always kind of, um, in TV, you're always really uh, um, hindered by, you know, uh, 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 a, uh, of, of how it works, not necessarily um, of, of, of what's working. 
Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. No, also, what's it like with working with your wife when she's writing for you? Because she knows you so well. I mean, you guys have been married for a long time. Is it sometimes do you sit there? I mean, if you don't like something she writes, are you? do you guys talk about it? Like like on that show, she, she wrote yeah, some episodes. Yep. Yeah. No, nope, we talk about it. And uh, she tells me what she's trying to get to. And I try to tell her what I'm trying to get to. And um, she's much deeper than I. So I usually see it her way uh, in the end. Uh, but you know, uh, she knows me better than anybody. So if, you know, if if, the, if I'm having trouble with something, she's capable of saying, "Oh, try this," and um, and it, it'll you know it'll it'll work. You know what I mean? Right. So now, now what happened with Street Time? Did it just uh, did it run its course, or what happened? Did it by yeah, Showtime? Yeah, we shot seasons, and it got you know Bob Greenblatt came into Showtime. Uh, Jerry Offsay left, and Bob Greenblatt came in. He he took it over, and uh, he canceled the show. It, that must be hard for the fact that I mean you've always worked and as we see you're you've you constantly work, but as you said it was such a great experience and when you you know when you left it you said I'm not going to find something like that. But how do you prepare yourself then for upcoming roles because you're you're sitting there you had for you one of your best experiences and it's one of those things you don't you don't know if anything's going to match that. How as an actor did you prepare for that when you go into a series? I mean. Do you first few days? Do you feel like there's a little loss of expectation? No, you you, you are always taken by surprise. You it is never it it, it always sucks. Um, you always take it personally. You always think it's your fault. Um, what could I what could I have done differently? Um, you hate everybody for a second. Um, it, it's a miserable, miserable, miserable situation. It is the idea of auditioning and not not getting something magnified by a hundred thousand because you know you put all your eggs in this one basket, and it's uh, but there's no way around it to to be uh, okay about it because it's uh, it hurts because you it is you know you feel like how come you know every you know everybody that loved you two seconds ago doesn't love you anymore and um, it's uh, you know, you're back to ground zero and you have to figure out, okay, how do I make money now? And, you know, I was doing so well and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And if it's a great show and you really love being on it, then it's about, you know, uh, this was such a great show and I love, really love being on it. And now it's not here anymore. It's like, and I love everybody that's attached to it. Um, it's, it's a terrible situation and there's not, there's no way you could prepare for it. You know, I've had it happen to me uh, where, you know, you're, uh, you know, it's going to happen. You know, I just did this show called Allegiance, and I I knew from the first episode that it aired that it was going to happen. And why? still, when it happened, it was a shock. Why you did know? you think? Why did you think it would happen for that show? Because because the 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 viewership from the very beginning was was so low. So it was like you know, okay, well, this is not going to. They're not going to support this. You know, they, they, nobody gets supported anymore. So it's like I mean, they have to. They you know, maybe they'll move us. Maybe they'll move us to a different time. So you you go through you know a, a variety of scenarios where you're like trying to figure out maybe they could do this, maybe we could do that. But you know, it's uh, it's still a shock. I mean, and then I've had it. I've had it happen where you know I have no idea it's happening, and I get a phone call on my way to a studio and, and, and saying, you know, your show's canceled. And you're like, what? I'm on my way to the studio. I'll shoot right now. So it's, um, it, it's, it's never, you're, you're, it, it's always a shock and you can never be prepared for it. Anybody who tells you that it's okay, they're lying. It's, you know, it's, it, 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 it's, 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 you know, it's just not true. It's, it's, uh, it's a terrible, it's a terrible, terrible, sad position to be in. And especially for us who, you know, work from job to job, 
I mean, if I knew that, you know, three movies were coming up, a play and another TV show, I'd be like, oh, who cares? But, you know, that's not the way it works. The way it works is that you go from job to job pretty much and, you know, um, you have to figure out what to do with your life. I mean, you have, you know, very clear purpose uh, when you're working and then, you know, as you have to recreate, recreate, recreate. And um, it's very hard to do. Well, I think, you know, and also what bothers me about TV lately is, you know, it seems, and you've been in the business for a long time, it seems like they used to give shows a chance. And now, if it doesn't get the ratings, you know, they'll pull it after a few episodes. And that always confuses me because, especially when, you know, they have a bunch of episodes in the can. It's like, just play them. You already paid for it. And people don't feel like watching reruns. I mean, that must be frustrating if you're an actor. I mean, you already get paid. But that you know those shows and the people who actually do watch it will never get to see what happened. Yeah, I've had I've had that happen a lot of times. I, I mean, uh, you know, that's it, it's a drag. It's because um, you feel like you're doing good work and you feel like it should be seen, um, and you have no idea why people are not giving it an opportunity. Um, but you know, it's like it. it it's a uh, it's a catch twenty two. It's like you can't really you know. I mean, as much as I say it sucks, and you know, no one's really affected. I mean, everyone's affected by it, and it's impossible to kind of ignore. Um, y- you have to kind of uh, there's 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 a huge psychological um, safety net that you have to create for yourself that basically says. You did your best work, you know. You 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 know you you did you, you did great you, you did great work. You came to set every day. You um you you uh you worked you know you researched the material. You you tried to figure out how to do it the right way, and um and it just didn't work out. And you know uh you have no control over it. It's it's completely out of your control. Why a network or a studio might fire you. Or might not want, uh, you know, the, a show to continue. So it's like you have to kind of build this safety net around yourself. But it's, you know, that it's just it's impossible to kind of gauge. Um, I mean, I've been on great shows that get canceled. You know what I mean? It's like I mean, you know, even shows that that do well, I've, I, I've been canceled. So it's um, it's so hard to figure out. It's so hard to figure out. It must be hard because I know you also you were on Law and Order Trial by Jury. And yeah, that 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 was like a, that was like a. I mean, I was told by everybody in the business, in the industry, on that show, this is a no brainer. This is going to continue for a lifetime. Don't worry. Buy a house. Buy a car. <laughs> have a kid. You know, I mean, this was like you know. And then I got a phone call saying we're canceled, and I was like, what? And yeah, and it's and always, so, you think it's a Law and Order show? I mean, they, they, it's, yeah, a, and, it's a and, it's a. And, <laughs> Yeah, and they did pretty well. I mean, you know, I mean, considering, I mean, at that time, you know, the numbers were were good. It was, it's so, you just have no idea. And you also don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know what's happening with other actors or writers or executives. You you have no clue as to, it's just like auditioning. You have no clue what somebody's looking for. You know, you can only do yourself, you know, and you could just be who you are and just kind of walk in you know, uh, and, and do your thing, and not really, you know, um, you know, if you if you if you if you think about, you know, uh, what you're not doing as opposed to what you're just doing, you're gonna you will you'll drive yourself crazy, which you know 
happens and uh, you know people kind of lose sight of, of, of what it is they, they really uh, the thing that makes them really good so as you're acting you've been acting over the years after all these series and after you know like that show do you do they still have you audition because you have like a long list of guest roles I mean that are just great shows I mean do they just know you now or do you still did you have to still go back in the room or how does that work because you know once you have a name and a face or do they sit there and go well there's also four guys like him who have had series yeah. how does that happen sometimes sometimes it's a straight offer sometimes you have to go back in the room um, I'll tell I mean to be honest with you um, my ego wants to be offered everything my um, my sense as an actor is I want to be in the room um, it, it's it's kind of an odd situation uh, I love I actually I'm one of the few people I think that love to audition I love auditioning why um, I just find it to be a an opportunity to kind of you, I mean, when you audition, you, when you audition, you're usually pro- you're probably doing your best work. When you get on set, it's probably not as good as when you audition because you'll never have as much energy as you had in the audition room, and it's you know it's just so satisfying. I mean, I, I, not every time that you're doing it, it's satisfying, but it's it's just it's a fun situation, and and you're performing, so you're like you're performing for people. You're not like doing it on you know. I mean, now it's like you do everything on tape, but. Um, which is so boring, but it's uh, it, it's it, it's uh, it's just a great opportunity. So to me, it's really fun. Plus, it's like you know when you audition, it's just you. It's like whatever you come up with. You know what I mean? It's like nobody's nobody's directing you. So it's like you know you just kind of do what you think is the right thing to do. The uh, you know, but I I mean I some sometimes it's an offer. Sometimes it's, you know sometimes you have to go back in the room. Now the tape process. I mean, you said, you know, it's, and it seems like you really, as you said, you like to perform live, but the tape process must be a, uh, great for someone who lives in New York. So you don't have to figure out, go somewhere else and you find out if you're going to get booked. Yeah, it's, uh, it has, I mean, it definitely has become an easier process and I could do it anywhere. Um, you try to, you try to put up the best lights you can because, you know, the older you get, the, <laughs> you want to look, you want to look better. Um, but it's you uh, the process that actually I think that 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 has become uh, so great in terms of uh, in terms of um, taping is uh, is testing for TV shows which now they're now they're just taking tape uh, it used to be where you walk into a, I mean like a theater and you test in front of you know 50 60 people um, but now you know I've, I've tested just from tape and uh, from like the first tape that I've done and so uh, which I actually find really kind of good because it's like it's just your instinct you know your instinct kind of if they like what you did on tape you know with your instinct you you, you know I mean you're not you're not going to get notes that are going to adjust your performance that much um, so it's, it's better to just kind of does this guy have the essence of what we're looking for or does he not have the, the essence of it so there's an advantage to that also a disadvantage but um, a great advantage in terms of taping one because also because you could uh, you could tape over and over and over again and nobody will ever know that you've done it a million times you know I, you're just showing them one version so you get I mean I go I, I do tapes 
my wife tapes me, I go into my manager's office, they tape me, or my agent's office, they tape me, and I could spend an hour and a half, two hours sometimes on a, on a, on a thing, and I'll do it, you know, 50 times. And if it's, uh, until it's right, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's not going to go out, you know what I mean? Now, I got a question, you know, you, you, you're always, you're this, in all the, all the hour dramas, you know, you've been working them all, how did Curb Your Enthusiasm come up? <laughs> Um, Kirby Enthusiasm happened. I auditioned for it. Um, I was told I didn't get it. And then uh, about a half a day after I was told I didn't get it, I got a phone call saying, they want you. Um, I don't, it just happened. I, I, they asked me to improvise uh, the kind of the character that, you know, that, that was, that ended up getting shot um, uh, or getting, getting used. Um, but uh, not, not the same character because they kind of they audition you with one thing and then they actually do another thing because they don't tell you what you what, you, what, what you're going to be, um, and uh, and that's how it, that's how it happened and uh, and I think I I I I I actually had this conversation with my wife saying you know I have to tell Larry David that I think that he's a genius and that he um, he changed the face of comedy and I I I just you know I just think that he's one of the greatest and um, I auditioned and I was walking out the room and I thought to myself if I'm not man enough to say what I want to say then if I walk out of this room I should never walk into any room ever again <laughs> and so I, I all of a sudden I was about to walk out the door I turned around and I walked up to him and I just say I would be remiss if I didn't tell you this I've been thinking about it forever you're one of the greatest you've changed the face of comedy. I'm so, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And uh, so maybe that's what did it. I'm not sure. <laughs> so uh, so did you like to do comedy? Because, I mean, is it something you want to try to branch into? Um, I've done sitcoms. I've done a bunch of sitcoms. Uh, and I had great times doing them. Uh, you know, I mean, it would, they were had to be, I, I did a sitcom for Amy Sherman Palladino, and that was really fun with Parker Posey. And I did a sitcom that never actually aired um, f with, um, uh, oh shit, what's his name? Um, oh gosh. Uh, John Cho. Um, I'm trying to think of the writers. I'm spacing out. Um, he does Modern Family. Oh, Steve Levitin? Steve Levitin? No, oh. no. Um, he runs it. Uh, he didn't create it. Anyway, um, Danny, Danny, Danny Zucker. Um, and, uh, you know, it was it was just the right thing at the right time with the right people, and they understood my kind of sense of humor uh, and how I do it, And um, which I don't think is all, you know, that different from anybody else, but uh, I, don't, I wouldn't consider myself a sitcom actor um, or a comedian, really. Uh, but... Uh, I have done it and love it, and um, Kirby Enthusiasm, I think, was definitely a different kind of comedy, um, and I just tried my best and hung on. Now, do do you want to do you write anything with your wife at all? Do you ever try to co collaborate with her writing, or is it she's the writer and you're the actor? Um, we we definitely collaborate, and uh, we have a TV show that we're trying to do at the moment, um, and uh, we have done lots of plays together where she's written and I've acted in uh, and we've done a short 
movie, a couple like we've done like little videos, but we've done like a real short movie um, where uh, uh, she's kind of directed and and wrote. Um, but yeah, we collaborate. Yeah, totally. And uh, so now you're also on a few episodes of Billions. Now that was shot in New York. Do you love it when you get cast in something that's shot in New York, or do you like to get away sometimes to shoot in different locations? I like to shoot in different locations. What are some of your favorite locations? Prague. Well, uh, <laughs> Switzerland. Poland. So what have you shot there? Movies? Yeah, movies, TV series. See, that'd be uh, What? No, that'd be great. I mean, you got to love that, that you get to work yeah. and get to travel. New Orleans. Um yeah, I mean, uh, one of the great things is being able to travel. There's so much shooting in New York now, though. It's like it's actually hard to get, you know, people. To, it's like you're kind of hired for everything that's in New York. Um, yeah. Now, now, do you get on stage anymore, or is it just because you're so busy in... Stage has to be, like, the really the perfect storm. It has to be the right play, right timing. Um, doing a play is so hard. Uh, and I don't really, I am not interested, unless it's something I am so dying to do, uh, I'm not interested in putting that kind of time into it. Well, I mean, it's got, and plus, you know, you're, it's a matter of, it's, it's a lot of work, and it's like, as you said, if it's not something great, what, what, what would, would a play that you would love to do? Is there any plays that, out there? Well, that I, mean, you... I, just want, I just want to say that, you know, the, play, plays are, it's 24 hours a day. There is no, there is nothing releasing you from doing a play. You are, you are committed twenty four hours a day. It is, it is so intense, and uh, I just don't really. It's not interesting to me unless I'm just dying to do it. To, to re- like, I'm not just into doing any play. Um, I would say uh, I don't really, ha- I don't really have a play off the top of my head that um, that would be like that type of, play, you know, that type of play. I mean, it'd be great if one of my wife's plays were produced and uh, to do one of those at the moment. Um, it would be great to do, um, you know, I mean, if something like um, like all my son, like an Arthur Miller play came up and that was in the right place, uh, that would be something I would be really interested in doing. Um, yeah, so that, that you know, that, that, I'm not, like, yeah. We're running out of time. I got to ask you this, though, because I asked my guests this. You've been in tons of you have tons of IMDb credits. Yeah. Have you been killed a lot? <laughs> I always love when people tell me stories because you play the bad guy sometimes. So you got to be. Have you been killed a lot? Yeah, what, what was your best I, death? My 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 best death. I don't know what my best death was, but my, my I think my first death was in a movie with Judge Reinhold, where uh, we were we were shot. And it was it must have been like five below zero, ten below zero in in Canada, and. Uh, we had one take to do this, and stupidly, I told them that I was totally fine, and I, I and they were shooting. It was a wide shot; there could be nothing underneath me. Um, and uh, they, I, I get shot, and I have to go down. Um, and uh, I got shot, and it was the first time that I had squibs on my body, and. Um, I remember, I remember them going off, and I remember looking at them going off my body, and there was such a delayed reaction between me actually going down 
and, and as if I died, and me experiencing like, oh my god, this is crazy. This is this is so insane. There's actually like blood spurting out of my body, and I'm having these things explode off my body. And uh, but they so they had to cut around it because they couldn't shoot it again. It was hysterical. So that was my first death scene, um, and then my first shooting scene. I, I forget actually what this was in, but I remember my first shooting scene um, where you know you don't actually shoot the gun and just they you know you, you kind of just uh, you just kind of make the motion or whatever. And uh, I remember um, the the DP coming up to me after we shot, saying to me, Scott, listen, <clears throat> it's important that when you're shooting the gun, you don't say bam, bam, bam after you, <laughs> while you're shooting it. That kind of doesn't make sense. I was like, what? Am I really? Am I doing that? I said, yeah, you're doing that. So uh, that was my first shooting scene. So you could tell I, I, I wasn't used to like you know shooting guns by any stretch of the imagination. But now I bet um, dying is easier and so is shooting a gun. Dying is easier, yeah. But now I've learned since then that you need like you know pads and all kinds of things or have somebody else die for you. Yeah, um, yeah so that's my first, that was my first dying scene. So now what's coming up? What, what can we see you on in the near future? I have this movie coming out uh, called As You Are, um, which is uh, directed by Miles Joyer's favorite feat, which won uh, Jury Prize at Sundance this year. Um, that's a real bad guy. Um, and right now I'm pitching, I'm, I'm kind of like kind of taking a break because uh, I'm really kind of waiting for, you know, the right thing to come up. Uh so I'm trying not to do any episodic stuff and uh, really trying to wait for, uh, you know, something pitch perfect. Um, and, uh, but at the moment I'm pitching, I'm pitching television series. So that's okay. why I was in LA last week. Well, cool. So now do you, do you Twitter? Do you tweet? I do. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. What's your, what's your Twitter handle? Scott E. Cohen. S-C-O-T-T-E-C-O-H-E-N. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm glad we figured it out because people, yeah, we did, we had Sorry. a Skype problem. No, it's funny because you never know because if, if someone isn't, I think, I thought you could just call anybody, but if you're not contacts, like you can't yeah, call. You can't get in. It's yeah, very weird. Yeah. So people yeah. go IMDB Scott and go, go find all his old work. Follow him on Twitter. It's Scott E. Cohen. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper talk. That's at Cooper talk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have 527 episodes up and uh, you can check them out so please do that and yeah keep listening uh, my email is cooper at coopertalk.net the um, twitter is cooper as I said cooper talk facebook cooper cooper talk radio or just steve cooper and instagram and the the uh, words with friends it's cooper talk one and don't forget my other website stopthesalt.com you know when I went through that heart problem I had to sit there and go to the hospital a lot so I wrote a cookbook 120 low sodium recipes go buy it you can buy it at barnesandnoble.com you can buy it at amazon.com but if you buy it from me it's cheaper so go to stopthesalt.com so remember I'm Steve Cooper I'm only as hip as my guest don't forget drink your water eat your vegetables take your vitamins you guys have a great 4th of July weekend because you know what? Drive safe. I'm out in California. I miss the Jersey beaches. I swear, but I'll play Springsteen Independence Day a bunch of time and I'll play Sandy Fourth of July a bunch of a time. So please 
Happy safe from Steve Cooper. I'm only sip is my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. I will talk to you guys next week.